0: What things about me make you know I am the one for you? Still after 18 years. Was that on that card? No, but what things about Um, me make you know that I am the one for you?
1: Well, your love for Jesus and your leadership and um, just how you serve our family and provide for us.
0: I didn't do that when we first were married though. Um, We didn't have a family.
1: Well, you said, you added the 18 years. Oh, I'm okay. Well. <laughs> what is something you wish you would do more often, or we would do more often? <laughs> you can't say
0: that. I can't say that? <laughs> um, probably just time. I think we get into the machine of life and with kids and, jobs and and all that kind of stuff I think we come home and and we have nothing left and some you know we're both tired and so I wish that we just had more um, even energy to date each other and and that kind of stuff and we we work on it we do well at it but yet um, yeah I think if it would just even at times come easier what's what's something I do that shows you Jesus
1: Everything you (laughs) do, your whole, your job, Uh, you love on people every day, and I think anybody who's met Jason or met you, sorry, knows that you love Jesus. I mean, just when you talk to them, and knows that they love you, love them, so that makes Jesus shine through you because you love people. No matter who it is, you'll listen and yep. talk with them.
0: What's amazing about us is that I can get compliments from bosses or co-workers or students in the ministry and nothing means it like when it comes from you. It's special to me. Trying to I'll do it more often. More often. <laughs> yep.
1: Um, what is the biggest obstacle? that we have overcome together?
0: Oh, well, we've been in seasons. um, We had a dark season after Kira was born. I I know you remember we were in Omaha, and I walked out, I mean, I was... I don't know what brought us to that point. Um, I just think we weren't spending time together, we weren't communicating, it was all about the kids. Um, we weren't connecting in any sort of way, One, and it was not for just a week, it was for a season, it was months. Um, and I remember just thinking, this is not what I signed up for and, and walked out. And I think by the grace of God, they um, put people into our lives that walked us through those dark times, and um, we overcame that.
1: From this day forward, what do you vow?
0: I vow to constantly be, always be pursuing you. Um, not only physically, but emotionally and spiritually and um, to go after you and who you are and your gifting and to encourage you and support you. I promise to always um, be faithful, not only in you know the physical realm of life, but also in the, even in thought life and all of that kind of stuff to be faithful to you. From this day forward, what do you vow to me? <sighs>
1: I vow to love you and respect you and show you more respect by encouraging you and um, just, yeah, same stuff you said, <laughs> being a team and raising our kids together and having fun and going on adventures.
2: I'm really enjoying these stories. I mean, Jake and Becky give us evidence that uh, marriage is awesome, but requires work. So uh, I want all of us to know this, because you might be brand new and you're just tuning in for the the first time and you're thinking, okay, church, this is interesting. Or maybe maybe you're visiting with family. Uh, I want you to know what we've been doing because you're walking into the middle of a conversation, which, that's awkward. Uh, And you need to know who's all a part of the conversation. So every weekend, several of us gather all over. The fellows at RCMU in town, Uh, the folks at East, folks at West, we all gather in, we've been talking marriage. Now, let me give you the disclaimer, because some of you are like, I'm not married. This is, I should not have come to church, or maybe this stirs up bad memories. This message in particular can, I believe, be applied to any relationship you have. So I hope that you'll take notes, that you'll at least listen in, and we can talk about how to thrive in our relationships. Now, Here's how we've been doing this. The first weekend we had a special guest, Shanti, answered basically all of our marriage questions, done, awesome, <laughs> and then we started talking about the vows. We're gonna spend three weeks, this is the middle week, on the vows. And now if you have not been to a wedding before or you tuned out during the vow moments, uh, there is the first part, to have and to hold, and if you're like, wonder what that means, sex. Sex, sex, sex. Now if you don't want your kids listening, we have already talked to you about this. Uh, but we talked about sex. I introduced the sex box. That should at least spark your curiosity and you will now go watch it online. To have and to hold, but then the vows go. You know that, that there's more to it. For better or worse. Well, yeah, I didn't mean that though. <laughs> the, the, or, or you may have thought when you said for better or for worse, you're thinking for better and worse better not happen. But would you not agree I think you would, that worse is inevitable, and, and maybe, maybe so much so that if you don't manage worse very well, it can get worse, and there are many of us right now at odds. In fact, what I love about a marriage series is we all gather together, but some of you are fighting right now. You're trying to be good. You're kind of silent treatment or no affection is happening. And and you're like, boy, he better listen to this or she better listen to this. And The the joy of it is, is that you know more than anyone else right now that there are worse moments. There are moments that when you're mad at someone, you don't talk to them. Or if you do, it's not very nice and at an elevated volume. So I don't know what you do. Most of us, though, when you're mad at someone... I mean, this is like nearly all the population. At some moment, you're like, I'm done with you. Like, there's a cutoff, even if it's temporary, but there's a moment. We do this not just with relationships. We do this with businesses, restaurants, whatever. You have a bad experience, and you're like, forget you, you are dead to me. Let let me help you for those of you who are like, no, David, I never do that. I give everyone grace. Well, let's let's put put that to the test. (laughs) Let's say that you went to Target, see, some of you, you go to Target frequently. My, my wife, I, be, I believe my wife knows every single employee at Target. I believe we can walk through and she's like, hey, yeah, yeah, that's Bill, and that's Susie, and that's, I mean, it's great. Now, now, you may have an opinion that have maybe recently changed about Target. Now, let me just offer something. I don't want to hear your opinions about it right now. I'm not in the mood for it, and this is not the place for it, but Target Target, not too long ago, decided to say, hey, our bathrooms, anyone and everyone is welcome. We like anyone and everyone is welcome, but not with the bathrooms, but they, they kind of pushed that. And Now, some of us though, some of us are like, all right, I'm done with you, Target. I'm done, we're, we're, we're over, we're done. The relationship that we had that was so good is over, and you're boycotting them. Now, some of you are like, okay, Target, like who goes to, I don't, I don't go to Target, I, okay. But maybe, maybe, maybe you're familiar with the NFL. Now, now, that's, this is about to get heated, I think, for some of us. So keep your emotions in control. If you aren't aware of this, you have just missed all of media for a while. <laughs> See, not too long ago, a certain NFL player during the national anthem decided to do something different than everyone else was doing. And, if you, and most of us are familiar, you've been to a sporting event, even from when you're just a little kid, all the way up to professional sports, typically the, the anthem is played and we do certain things. And, and some are, are, in essence, boycotting that m- moment, making a stand. It's now leaked out to other sports. But, and I did some research, and I know it's the internet, and the internet is like maybe 50-50, right and wrong. <laughs> but one of the articles I read said that, that viewership of NFL games has gone down so far. There are people boycotting watching these games. And again, I'm not saying all of this to, to stir up emotions. I am confident that a group our size has opinions in both Target and NFL and Anthems and all that kind of stuff. But what I wanted to make you maybe think about for a second is do you boycott relationships? I know there's restaurants and, and things like that that, that you're like, I don't, I don't want to mess with this. And, and, but I'm talking about your marriage. Could you? Well, I know this. Some of you are boycotting each other. You're at odds. Maybe you've even stopped sleeping in the same room or or at least you're you're separating away emotionally. You're boycotting each other. And what you and I have got to press into is, is that going to work out? In fact, when I say for better or for worse, you need to know that that worst part is, is more significant than he didn't put his clothes in the hamper or a meal was burned now these are the worst moments. What are you doing with them when finances are not where they need to be and all of a sudden you as a couple are at odds? What about where sickness kinda comes into the house and it's one of those seasons in South Dakota that sickness doesn't leave for months and you just start to get mad at each other for being sick? You act like that's never happened. I mean, sometimes you're like, I'm, just, I'm sick of being sick and, and it's beginning you fight and it gets bad. Let's even go further than this. What about when your spouse needs to change but they don't wanna change? One of the top conversations I have during this marriage series is when one spouse comes to me and says, my spouse doesn't want to change. What do you do? I mean, do you throw your hands up and be like, all right, if they don't want to change, then I'm done and it's over. Or, or is there something you and I can press into? Is there something that you and I can, can actually find victory in? Where worse comes at you, but you defeat worse. I mean, I know for better or for worse, it's two. There's the sickness part of that, if you continue on the vows, and the richer, the poorer, all that kind of stuff. What are you doing? What are you doing about the circumstances that you and I would tag as worse? Because if you're not doing anything about it, your marriage is gonna struggle. And I would tell you, every couple, every couple has better and worse moments. It's just what happens. You're like, really? <laughs> I mean, if you've ever seen those couples who've been married for 60 years, 70 years, you're like, I want that. I bet they can give you a long list of the worst moments. And what I can tell you about those couples is that those couples have figured out how to overcome worse. Now, here's what we most do. When, when worse is happening, when things haven't gone well, job, whatever is unfolding, or, or just things are at odds, we tend to fight. At each other. We fight at each other instead of for each other. I want you to catch this because this is profound. This is wisdom I was taught a long time ago. When we tend to fight at each other, it's a versus kind of mentality instead of fighting for each other. Now, again, last week I talked about this sex box and there were Barbie dolls involved and it was. We almost went off the cliff, didn't we? We almost did. We almost did. Well, I, I, don't, I have a, an illustration I think will help us on this. Here's what some of your marriages look like. It's husband versus wife. You wake up, go to bed, and it's this. It's like a competition, but a bad competition. It's where you're at odds in a way that the relationship is essentially eroding. It's where the battle is trying to get that person to change, be fixed, stop doing, start doing, and you think if I could just get them in its verses, it's me against them. That's many of us think that's how that's our relationship. That's what we think the context of it is, and, and it's not good. By the way, you can you can fight. I'll give you permission for that. That's good. Here, there's a difference between a good fight and a bad fight. You're allowed to have good fights. Bad fights are or bad, good fights are good. Doctors, Les and Leslie Parrott, they they do tons of research on marriage and teach on marriage, and and we learn a ton from them. If you've ever read any of their books or look at their stuff, it's really good. But they broke down the major areas that you and I uh, have bad and or good fights in. Let me show you, these are the categories, these are the the areas. Yes, sex, okay? Uh, We had to do a whole sermon on that one, but uh, money. I, I'm not gonna make you raise your hands. By the way, is he gonna make, I don't wanna raise my, I, I'm gonna raise my hand on all of these. I don't wanna, no. Uh, but I just want you processing about the, let's just call them the fights that you've had. Perhaps sex, money. Kids, if you've had kids in the house, you have fought and do not lie about it. How, how one of them or multi, how they were disciplined or how many you're gonna have or, or when you're gonna start having them or or maybe you're at odds because They're not living the way they should, and that has just added tension to your relationship. Work. (laughs) When you should come home uh, or get a job might be maybe your argument. Uh, Work has a tendency of of bringing up stuff that you've got to deal with. And chores. Oh, I don't mean to go. Yeah, I do mean to go there. Dishes, laundry, dusting, mowing the lawn. I mean, am I just pressing on the stuff? I'm trying to. See, and this is proven. If you if you're married, or actually have been in any kind of romantic relationship, you know that there are areas that you fight in. In fact, it's funny that we'll meet with a couple who's going to get married, and you know, hey, what do you guys usually fight about? We don't fight. So if I'm the one leading that time, I try to start one just to try to. I feel like this is good pastoring. I'm like well, I'm going to start one, and then we'll work it out together, and it's a life lesson. Yeah. Uh, here, here's what you need to Okay, so David, bad fight, good fight. What, what is that? i Here's what a bad fight is. Bad fight is when you try to win. When your agenda, your goal, your mission to be accomplished is to win. It's when you're arguing with your spouse or if you're not married, friend, whatever. And your ultimate goal is just to be right. And I'm going to fess up to you. I've done a lot of this in my own marriage. When it comes down to the ability to argue, and I'm dead serious on this, by the way, the ability to argue, I'm a far better arguer than my wife. And I got to tell you, that's not a good thing. Because some of us, if you're like me at all, is you just want to win. You get to the moment inside of the argument that you're even getting distance from what you're even arguing about, and your goal is simply to win, to be right, to not be wrong. And I'm telling you, that's a bad fight. That you might be right about what you initially started off with, but your goal cannot be to diminish that person and then to finally be up on the pedestal by yourself going, I won, because guess what? You didn't. Even if you are proven right, even if you're the most brilliant arguer, and all of a sudden people are calling you like, we want you to be on our debate team. Okay, no, that doesn't matter. You're not winning with your spouse. In fact, you're breaking them. You're dividing that relationship. Here, a Good fight. A good fight is when your goal, your mission is to understand. Is to understand why the behavior exists, why the breakdown happened, why expectations weren't communicated. See, your goal is to understand that person because if you can achieve understanding what's going on, you can actually come closer together and thrive. And I got to tell you like I said, I I'm not sure that the majority of my arguments with Katie have been where I've tried to just understand where she's coming from. I cannot imagine starting that when we first got married. Maybe you feel the same. Maybe just you're not married, but your friendship or at work where you just pursue understanding and you're in the midst of a good fight, fight that, go with that. But, but some, some of us, are, we, we think that we're at odds with our spouse, and we're actually not. So in these fights, we don't even know how to treat that person like a friend, because we think this is enemy time. But the Bible gives us great insight that I have always found profound in marriage. Ephesians chapter 6 tells us about who you and I are actually fighting, for our struggle is not against flesh and blood, but against the rulers. Against the authorities, against the powers of this dark world, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly realms. If this is too wordy for you, if the Bible, like, I haven't read, what this is saying is your battle in your marriage is not against each other, there is evil. Your battle, our battle, when stuff breaks down, when someone makes choices that they should never make, when stuff is, is full of selfishness or, or lack of self control, all that, when that breaks down, you and I think it's that person that we're against, it's not. The Bible's crystal clear that we don't fight against flesh and blood in this. In fact, let me give you a, a new illustration that I think will help us. You've got the husband, you've got the wife, but it's also you and God versus the devil. Now, I know if you grew up in Sunday school, you're like, David, I've heard that before. Yeah, but do you implement this into your marriage? If you've heard this before, if this is old news to you, have you mastered the ability to see life this way? And most of us would say, no, because I got to tell you, I have not mastered this. In fact, I had a conversation recently, not about marriage, I was discouraged about something, And someone, one of my friends had to remind me, David, we fight not against flesh and blood. See, many of us, this is the breakdown. The breakdown is the fact that we think he or she is the enemy, and the devil is always the enemy. Be like, David, David, look at this list. Look at this list of what they've done and haven't done, and and look at this. I I would say, you're right. But the reason that they've made choices that they should not have made is because they bit into temptation and sinned. So if you and I were to look at marriage differently, what if you and I were to engage the problems, the the, the worst of the, for better or for worse, what if we were engaged as though that is a spiritual problem, as though that is an issue where we're going to go at the devil, where you get mad not at the spouse, but at the devil. Now some of you are like, good, now I can finally start blaming the devil. Okay, it's, It's not, don't take it too far. But you do need to know the battles in our life, what you don't like, about government, what you don't like about the world, what you don't like about poverty, what you don't like about a lot of things in this world, perhaps all of it, is because you don't like it because there is evil in this world. And I know that this messes with some of our world views. You're like, well, I don't know. I'm just telling you, if you accept that there is evil in this world, that means that evil is not only present across the globe, but evil could actually be present in your home, in your relationships, and you need to deal with it. And the devil has many of us tricked, (laughs) where all day, every day, you're hearing in your head, hey, he or she is the problem, because the devil doesn't like the finger pointed at him. So what do we do? If you're a person that I hope you do acknowledge that there's evil in this world, that God created the world, and there is a devil, what do we do? Ephesians 6, before what I read to you, says some more things. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. Now, someone was like, well, I want to be. (laughs) How do I do that? Put on the full armor of God. Sometimes we want to, God, just tell me what to do. If you've got a spouse who won't change or you've got a relationship that's broken down, you're like, what do I do? You can't make them do something. What do I do? Put on the full armor of God so that, if you don't know how to read the Bible, that means, so listen up, so that you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. If you wanna defeat the devil, you need to put on the armor of God. That's how this works. You cannot defeat the devil just flippantly going, sure hope he doesn't win today, you've gotta to fight him. And you need the armor of God. Now here's where I wanna really mess with some of you who grew up in church. I'm a fourth generation pastor in a row. I have lived in the church practically all of my life, and I will tell you that I learned about the armor of God young. Typically, that's when we teach about the armor of God. We teach it in, a, in an environment where you've got kids in a classroom, and there's, there's typically illustrations, and there's this guy, and you put the armor on him, it's really cool, and you're talking about it. And, and we think, oh, Christians put on the armor of God, which you are right. But many of us have not walked that out and made it personal. We're like, armor of God, that sounds neat but we haven't made it personal, so let me help you make it personal. What if you and I in our marriages, what if as husbands, as wives, what if we engage the idea of armor of God and that would help us weather and thrive for better or for worse? So I am going to teach the armor of God very quickly and I'm going to relate it to your marriage. If you're not married, relate it to your relationships. If you keep reading, it'll list them. Here's the first one, belt of truth. The belt of truth. That's the first part. You're like, I don't put belts on first. Just come on, let's read the Bible. Belt of truth. Belt of truth means, and I'm gonna just break it down, tell the truth. If you wanna apply belt of truth to your marriage, tell the truth. Make truth primary in your relationship. Now at first we're like, well of course, but listen, don't. truth sometimes gets really uh, squirming. How about this? Have you ever said, you always, and then just create a list? Well, as one who enjoys arguing, I can break your argument down. Because no one always does anything. (laughs) You might say, you always breathe, and you're still wrong. So you cannot ever overgeneralize, but many of us do that. You always do this. You never this, and we start to say things that aren't true. And some of us just needed permission from a pastor to stop it. Stop overgeneralizing, especially in the negative. If you're gonna overgeneralize, be like, you're always amazing. And then shut your mouth. You always take the trash out. You always do the dishes and then just zip it. Walk out of the room if you have to. Isn't it fascinating how we don't overgeneralize about the positive? You're always just wonderful, and so it's enough. It's great. See, listen, belt of truth. Tell the truth, and in our relationships, we're like we're not very good at. At least we're not as good at it as we like to think that we are. So this does also apply to owning the truth that God says about you. You are wonderfully made by God. He loves you. He thinks you're amazing, even if you mess up. He really does care about you. Tell the truth in your marriage. Don't lie. Don't let secrets be a part of your relationship. See, this armor of God, this is as relevant as it's ever been. It, it keeps going. There, he lists more breastplate of righteousness. Now, I know a lot of us have not said these words recently, and it seems a bit dated, but it's not breastplate of righteousness, the best choice. Make the best choices in your, in your relationship. And, and that even talks about make sure that you are pure and blameless. You're like, well, like don't mess up. Well, try not to mess up. You want want to make sure that your marriage thrives. Not only let truth be primary, but consider the choice that honors God the most and make that choice. And I know it's not always a popular choice or definitely not the easiest choice. But if you want your marriage to thrive, that breastplate of righteousness, make the best choice. And the best choice is what God teaches us to make keeps on going, it says shoes of readiness. Different versions say different things, but we'll call it shoes of readiness. You're like, shoes, really? Like armor and shoes? You gotta know a little bit of history, because the history helps us get this in a really cool way. See, back then when this was written, oftentimes a way to fight war was to do things to the battlefield before the bad guys got there. So here's what, well actually, that's nowadays too. But when you think about it, their way of putting landmines, was they would take sticks, sharpen the top, stick them into the ground. And an army would show up barefooted very often. They just didn't have that luxury. There was no Nike store or mall nearby. And they would walk up barefooted. And before they even got to the army that they were going to attack, they were ruined. Because in all of the soldiers' feet were sticks and If you've ever had a problem with your foot, you know exactly what I'm talking about. That can really just take you out. And so for years upon years, this is how armies fought. They tried to get you before you got to them. Josephus, he's a historian, has written a ton about this time, but he has written so much, he's even talked about some of the victories of the greatest leaders in this world regarding military. Their number one tactic was this, be prepared when you go to war. See, a lot of times we think, oh, I bet they were just really good warriors and and they knew how. No, they were prepared. If you're part of the military, you know exactly what I'm talking about. If you're prepared and you go in, you're already ahead of the enemy most times. So shoes of readiness, how does this apply to marriage? Prepare. Let me help you. So if worse comes tomorrow, if worse comes next week, what have you done today to be ready for that? And not based in fear, that's preparation. I'll give you one of the things I do. I read marriage books as often as I can, not because my marriage is having problems, but I want to prepare for the moments that I won't know how to navigate. I remember when Katie told me, this was years ago, that we were pregnant and then we had, she told me that we had lost the, the baby. I got to tell you, this is one of the most overwhelming moments I've ever had as a husband because I saw the brokenheartedness in my bride and I didn't know what to do. If you're not prepared for those moments, whether it's someone's mistake or someone's just bad news to you, or if it's just something that's hard to overcome, if you're not ready, it will get you. One of the greatest things you can offer in a marriage is to prepare for tomorrow. Let me tell you another one that you definitely will make fun of me for, but it's fine. Uh, One of the things that Katie and I experience in the mornings is a lack of desire to get up. I know some of you are like, what, I don't relate. But when you have three kids going in three different locations in the mornings and, and it's, we have a pretty full schedule. You wake up in the morning and Katie and I do not I'm just gonna be very open. We do not jump out of bed going, Oh, it's a new day. Yes. <laughs> some days it's like you better have made coffee. And if you didn't, we're going to have some major problems. So here's what I've been doing. Here's what I've been doing. Okay. You make fun of me all you want. I've started making coffee the night before. I know you need a second. You need a second. That seems insignificant, and maybe part of it is selfish, because I like coffee too. But I love hearing my bride say in the morning, hey, I didn't think about this, and I didn't have time, and thanks for making coffee. Some of the basic stupid stuff that you could plan today for tomorrow. What are you doing today that is about tomorrow? One of the things I've been trying to practice is, I try to plan today something I'm going to do for my wife tomorrow. Prepare. And guess what? It's revolutionizing our marriage. Here's another one. Shield of faith. That's one of the parts of the armor. Shield of faith. Utilize God's capabilities. I love this part. Now, I know some of us are like, wait a minute, wait a minute. We've kind of been talking about what we do, right? We're talking about what we do and, and, and the army that we're getting. And then you've got this. Utilize God's capabilities. Involve God. In that means faith. Let me just ask you a question, don't answer out loud, I just want you thinking, is how much lately have you utilized God's power for your relationship? Many of us are like, well, I want to. I would love to have God be a part of our relationship, and we try to make Him the center, and so we go to church, or we, and and sometimes we're a little iffy on how we do this. I can give you an example, but I need to ask a favor. See, when I begin to tell you this story, this might cause some of you to think I have an agenda and I do not have an agenda. It just is one of the most significant moments I've ever had in our marriage. Years and years ago, soon after Katie and I were married, I didn't have a job and I was hunting a job all over the place. I counted up, and I'll never forget this, I had 96 resumes that I distributed and we lived in a town that was half the size of Rapid City. Just couldn't find a job. When they see on your resume that you've been a pastor, a lot of people don't want to hire that. And so I was looking and looking, and Katie was in college at the time. Katie was in college, and if you don't know this about college students, they're not notorious for uh, making a lot of money. Uh, They spend it, but they do not make a lot of it. And so as a couple, I don't have a job. She's at school. We have no money. It was frequent that we hated seeing the mail, because if you don't have money, the mail is rarely full of good news. One evening, Katie and I were having dinner in our house, and we came to the realization in that moment that we were actually having dinner with the last of the food in our house. There was no more. If you think that I am overgeneralizing, I'm not. I promise you, there wasn't anything else left. That's defeating. As as a guy, I felt like a loser. I'm like, why am, I can't I find a job to provide for our family? Katie felt shame. She was like, oh, I shouldn't be going to school. I should just go get a full job, full-time job and quit school. And, and we just, we started going at each other. Not because we were mad at each other. We were just frustrated and we were right in front of each other. So that's who you yell at and get mad at. Well, we ate our dinner and uh, then it was time to open up the mail. Like I told you, we tried to delay that quite a bit. We'll open it up and one of the letters was from my grandma. <laughs> My grandma had sent us a nice note and a check for $900 to cover our mortgage. Now, now at the time, we're like, we look up, you're real. You are real. I know that we knew you're supposed to be real, but you're real. It was like that moment. We start to cry, like have this like, oh my goodness, this is amazing. But you need to know something about Katie and I. Previous to that moment, we had made a decision as a married couple We made a decision about money specifically. We had decided before we made money that we would always do what the Bible taught, give 10% back to our church. And then we're at this moment where we're like, yeah, this is awesome. This is amazing. And we're like, wait a minute. See, this $900 covered to the perfect T our mortgage payment. And we both looked at each other and had that realization, "Uh uh-oh, so, is this from God? So then, do we give it back to God? How does this work? And if you're like us, we try to rationalize as best as we could to not give the tithe to the church. But we said, no, we like to be people who say and do the same thing. And so, right there at the table, we wrote the $90 check to the church that we were going to. And then we were mad at God. <laughs> I was mad. It's like, this was supposed to cover this. It doesn't cover this. And so we kind of went to bed mad at God, maybe each other, just upset because now we had a mortgage payment with not enough money. If you've ever talked with a mortgage company when you don't have enough money, they don't typically answer saying, we feel your pain. And so the next day came. There's a $90 check sitting on our table. Katie goes to class. I go out, look for a job again. I come back around lunchtime. I make... Uh, what we found a macaroni I found a box with macaroni I was like this is awesome God provides but I was still mad about it and I sat on our couch we didn't have cable and on my college TV we, I watched a Roseanne Barr show that's all that came in I'm sitting there someone knocks on the door now again when you don't have money and you can't pay your bills you don't answer the door but I got up opened up the door and there was a screen door there. I didn't open up the screen door. I looked at this guy who's in shorts and a tank top and sweaty. I'm like, you don't look like a bill collector, but I don't know. It could be tricky. <laughs> so I crack open the, the screen door. I was like, yeah, what's up? He's like, hey, you don't know me. I was like, mm-hmm, you're right. He's like, you don't know me, but we we live like way down the road, but this is a little weird. We're moving. I'm like, you're going to ask me to move your stupid piano because that's always what people want, right? (laughs) Once he said moving, I'm like, it's a piano. There's a piano involved in this thing. So I'm just waiting to hear the words piano, and I'm like, I'm going to feel bad if I say no, but I'm going to say no. And he's like, we're moving, and our freezer and fridge are full, and if we take it with us, it's going to spoil. Would you want all the food in our freezer and fridge? and I don't remember the timing, but I said yes faster than I remember. I was like, "Yeah, huh uh uh-huh, yes. He's like, hey, I'll, I'll bring it to you. I'm like, okay. Filled our fridge. For the next month and a half, we didn't have to buy groceries. See, and God's going, see, If you rely on my capabilities, I can do miracles. See, stuff like shield of faith. Some people get offended when a pastor talks about money. I'm telling you, your marriage will thrive. Because when you learn to trust God with whatever you value a lot, God can then do amazing things in your life. And so the moments in our life that have not been money-related, but really scary, really difficult... Katie and I have already learned that we rely on God. If you want to learn to rely on God, press into those kinds of conversations. If you want to win through the worst, you don't get offended by what I just talked to you about. There's another one, helmet of salvation. Sacrifice. I mean, this is easy. If you don't know this, Jesus Before you have ever chosen, some of you may have never even chosen to follow Jesus. You've never put your faith in Jesus. You don't follow, you have nothing to do with Jesus, God, all that. You're like, I don't know. But before you have ever chosen that or thought about that or processed that or rejected that, he's like, I'm going to die for you. What sacrifice? See, some of us are like, hey, when they change, then I'll start being the wife or husband I'm supposed to be. That's not what Jesus has done with you and I. Jesus has not waited for you and I to get good, be good, dress up, clean up, be perfect, and then then he gives us his love and sacrifice. Before you and I ever deserved it and never will deserve it, he's like, I give it to you. Perhaps what your marriage lacks is just sacrifice. Can you you imagine what would happen to marriages if you woke up tomorrow and be like, you know, I'm just going to spend the day sacrificing for my spouse. One, they're gonna think you're on drugs, so you're just gonna to have to last longer than a day. And it can't just be birthdays and anniversaries, come on. But what if you and I were to spend months and years giving things up on behalf of our spouse? Sword of the Spirit. If You don't know what that means? Use your Bible. <laughs> If you are not already using the Bible to figure out how to parent, how to be a spouse, how to be a friend, how to manage money, how to live life, the Bible is full of it. There are so many folks who want to know, how do I do life? What are the secrets to life? And there's this book just sitting there for thousands of years going, this is how it's in here, it's in here, it's in here. So does Spirit use the Bible. You want to revolutionize your marriage? Build it on what the Bible teaches. It's fascinating to me that the verses keep going, though. It doesn't just say, all right, you're going against the devil, better or for worse, got to learn how to deal with the worst. It's, it's not against flesh and blood. It's against evil. So put on the armor. So you got your armor on. You're like, well, what do we do now? Ephesians chapter 6 keeps going. And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. So if you've ever wondered, can I talk to God about specific things? Can I actually have a conversation with God and get super specific, super raw, super just straight with him going, hey, here's what I want, here's what I need, here's what I see, here's how I feel. He's like, yeah, you can. (laughs) And pray in the Spirit on all occasions with all kinds of prayers and requests. With this in mind, be alert and always keep on praying for all the Lord's people. If you don't understand the power of prayer, let me tell you something about you. You're here because someone prayed. You are. You may not know that person. You may not think that God is that intertwined in life. But I would tell you without any doubt in my mind that you and I are together in this moment because someone prayed. I believe personally that I know who Jesus is because someone prayed for me. I know by what they've told me, my grandparents and parents prayed for me and still pray for me. Some of you, you're sitting in a seat at a Fountain Springs location because someone prayed. Never, ever underestimate the power of prayer. You're not talking to the air. You're talking to the Creator. And the Creator wants to talk with you. He wants to intervene in your marriage you're here, you're listening to this conversation because someone prayed. Sometimes we forget how divine our life is. So here's what I want you to do. I want you to talk with God right now. So bow your heads and close your eyes. And whether it's a marriage conversation you wanna have with God right now, or maybe it's just some relationship conversation, I want you to take a moment I'm going to stop talking and I want you to silently privately talk to God with the creator of all when you stare at the stars and look at the moon when you see the beauty of the hills and you see the change of the seasons when you understand the masterful creation of the human body you must understand that someone made it and I want you to talk to him about your marriage or about whatever relationship you need to talk to him about. So I'll give you some time and you have that conversation. About eyes closed still. Some of you before you think about putting on the armor of God need to invite God to be your savior first. If you're ready for that conversation say these words to God not as magic words but as the beginning of a relationship just silently. God I turn my life over to you and I acknowledge today that Jesus is my savior. He died for me, sacrificed for me, so my sins could be forgiven. God, fill me with your spirit, give me power, give me boldness, give me strength. But God, I accept you and surrender my life to you, and I choose today to follow you. Heavenly Father, I pray for every relationship I think this armor applies to them all. But God, I specifically pray for the marriages that think the other one is the problem. Keep it fresh in our minds, God, that we fight not against flesh and blood, but we fight against evil. So God, help us to own the victory you've already promised. I pray for every marriage, thriving and dying, God, may you speak in and breathe into their relationships and do miracles, just like you've done in my relationship with my wonderful bride. We pray this in the name of Jesus. Amen.